Okay, uh, we can open up the meeting. Yes. We okay to open up this meeting? Yes. Okay, let's do it. Good evening, everybody. Um, my name is Mark Bogan, and um, I am the uh, mayor of Broward County. I'm reading off a script, so you'll understand this is totally scripted. And I would like to introduce my colleagues. Yeah, believe it or not, I would like to introduce my colleagues on the Board of County Commissioners. Um, starting with my right here, um, Commissioner Lamar Fisher, he's also known as the auctioneer. <laughs> 10 to AR 20, 20 to AR 30, 30 to AR 40. That's Commissioner Fisher. And then we have, um, we have Commissioner Nan Rich, former Senator, Commissioner, we call her Senate Kanish. Um, and then we have Bar Commissioner Barbara Sharif, also known as Babs or Babsies, any way you want to talk to her. Uh, coming next to is Vice Mayor Dale Holness, uh, also known as Your Holiness. Um, next to me here is, is Beam Fur, Commissioner Beam Fur. Call him Triple C, calm, cool, collected Beam Fur. Um, Tim Ryan isn't here, he's probably eating. <laughs> also known as the Human Food Incinerator. And uh, Steve Geller, Commissioner Steve Geller, former Senator, Commissioner, again, another Senate Kanish. I don't want to take that away from you or Commissioner Rich. Huh? And, and then Commissioner Michael Udine, also known as the social media mogul. So uh, that is the introduction of our commissioners. Thank you for coming. Have a good evening. And we're going to continue. You ready? Okay. Tonight, the Broward County Board of County Commissioners will conduct public hearings on the final millage rates and budgets that will support county services during fiscal year 2020. This is the last of two public hearings, thank God, as required by law. The purpose of the hearing is to receive comments from the public and provide information on the county's proposed budget and tax levies. The public hearings will be conducted in five sections. The first section includes public hearings on countywide and Broward municipal services, district millage rates and budgets. The second section includes public hearings on the millage rates and budgets for the county's dependent water control districts. The third section includes adoption of revised fees for the county water and wastewater utility. The fourth section includes the adoption of the county's five-year capital improvement program, including public input on the transit program of projects. The fifth section includes adoption of revised fees for the county landfill. An agenda listing all the items to be discussed and the order of the items is available at the entrance. If you are interested in addressing the Board of County Commissioners about an item on the agenda, please register with a county staff member at the entrance. Or I guess, uh, where is the register over here? It's outside. Okay. If you are interested in addressing, uh, um, please register, as I said, at the entrance. County staff is also available at the entrance to answer questions about the county's budget and taxes. If anyone has questions with respect to property value assessment or exemptions, the property appraiser staff is available in room 111 on the first floor of this building from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., Monday through Friday. With that introduction, let's begin. Aggregate millage rate. For fiscal year 2020, there's a proposed 4.75 aggregate increase in property taxes when compared with the taxes generated from the aggregate rollback rate. The rollback rate generates approximately the same amount of taxes as the prior year, plus taxes generated from new buildings added to the tax roll. The aggregate millage rate of 5.5204 as compared to an aggregate rollback rate of 5.2700 includes all ad ad valorem tax, taxes levied by the county and its dependent districts with the exception of voted debt service taxes. The aggregate, aggregate millage rate is the basis for the state required advertisements concerning the budget and taxes. The rollback millage rates and the percent change in property taxes are based on the assessment rolls certified by the property appraiser. So countywide millage and budget. 
The public hearing is open on the general county millage rate and budget. The final millage rate proposed for general county purposes exclusive of debt service is 5.4878, which represents a 4.77 increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 5.2379. The final millage rate for debt service is 0.1812. When combining the two elements, the final millage rate for all general county purposes, including debt service, is 5.6690. I would like to introduce Bertha Henry, the County Administrator, to provide a brief overview of the County Budget and Millage Rate. Thank you, Mayor. Today, we are presenting a budget that addresses several community priorities. These include for the county's most vulnerable populations and enhancement of human service programs, additional support for emergency preparedness and recovery from hurricanes, additional support for maintenance of buildings, courthouses and libraries, parks and cultural programs, Introducing a pet clinic at the Broward County Animal Shelter, continuing the expansion of the county's affordable housing program, and increasing efforts in public safety through the E911 program. That said, the total budget of $5.8 billion increases by approximately $584 million, which reflects an increase in the operating budget of $229 million, an increase in the capital budget of $339 million, now that's mostly due to the increase driven by the new transportation surtax fund and the aviation capital fund, and an increase in the debt service millage of 16 million, mostly due to an increase um, in port, uh, the Port Everglades debt service. The general fund comprises approximately 72 million of the increase, of which 22 million is one-time funding for affordable housing. Um, at $5 million, Pompano Beach CRA settlement, $10 million, and general capital projects, $7 million, with no change in the current cumulative operating millage rate. The budgets for county agencies increased by $14 million and address the critical priorities addressed above. The general fund budgets for constitutional officers, including the Broward Sheriff's Office, property appraiser, and supervisors, supervisor of elections, increased by $36 million. The budget also includes the second year of three years of funding for the computer-aided mass appraisal system for the property appraiser's office, in addition to renovations for a new replacement facility for the property appraiser. Mandated tax increment payments for municipal redevelopment continue to uh, increase due to the increase in the tax rolls. The certified tax roll increases 5.93% when compared to the roll used for the adopted FY19 budget. However, we do not anticipate this level of growth to continue at the same rate. As stated earlier, the FY20 millage rate remains the same as FY19 with a slight decline in debt service millage and a corresponding increase dedicated for general capital projects. This shifting within the same total rate will help the county rebuild the property tax supported capital program, which was significantly reduced during the recession. With over $2 billion in tax supported assets, it is essential that we continue to rebuild this program with recurring revenue to ensure that our investments are adequately maintained in the future. County taxes make up less than one quarter of the overall property tax bill of resident. The increase in uh, assessed value for homestead property owners is capped at 1.9% for FY20, and generally homestead taxpayers will experience a slight increase in county taxes. For other properties, the change in the assessed value of each property will determine how much the property taxes will change. 
This is the final public hearing to adopt county millage rates and budgets. I, earlier, I uh, said that for fiscal year 2020, there's a proposed 4.75% aggregate increase. I want to make sure that I mentioned the word percent. And also under the countywide millage and budget, I said, which represents a 4.77% increase, just to make sure that's in there. So now we go, is there anyone wishing to speak on the countywide millage rate and budget? I have a number of speakers. Um, so let's first start with Jeannie O'Grady. Good evening, everybody. Um, I'm here to talk about animal care. I was here the last time, so I'm here again. <laughs> anyway, it's I'm here to talk about um, in your budget to please provide spade and neuter funds for this county. As of now, there is no funding for spade and neuter. Um, we have two spade vans sitting at Broward County that are unused. Everybody knows that to control population in this county, be it strays on the street, or anybody else, that free spade and neuter has to happen. Miami's done it before. Um, they've uh, reduced their numbers. We're not gonna reduce numbers unless we have a free spade and neuter program for every, every single animal in this county. It's over $70 to spade and neuter in the private sector. Most people are not gonna spend that um, to get their animal spayed. If they know it's free, they're gonna be coming down here and they're gonna get their animals taken care of. So that definitely, I take care of three cat populations on the street, in Margate, at night, and probably over 70 cats in there. I have 50 cats now to spade. At $70 a piece, I'm going to have to lay out $3,000 of my own money to take care of that. Um, so please, consider spade and neuter. Consider getting that van, those two vans that are sitting idle that taxpayers paid for and getting those up and running. 14. Um, second off, Broward County Shelter is deplorable, the conditions down there. Um, there is no rescue coordinator right now. Lorelei Combs has sat on this and has not appointed anybody. Um, the staff is doing nothing to get those animals out. We are spending our own time and money to get the animals out. All these rescue people back here are working every single day to get one, two, three animals out maybe. I'm just going to tell you the kill rates for July down there. 216 animals were killed down there in July. Pay attention, 216 animals. This is supposed to be no-kill, and it's not no-kill. 175 cats were killed, and also 43 dogs were killed. That's not a no-kill situation. Something has to be done down there. Management has to change. That's the bottom line. $6 million a year you're spending of our tax dollars for what? And also, lastly, I just wanted to say real quickly, all she needs is a driver's license down there to adopt a dog. This was Stormy, a dog that was adopted out by Broward County Air. Okay, care. <laughs> anyway, returned back with burn marks all over her back and then was getting ready to be killed by Broward County. I got a rescue to take her with $900 of my money to pull her out. Now she's in a board and train situation. The driver's license is not enough. A background check has to be done to get animals out of there. I did Thank prepare you. packets for each one of you guys. If Thank you want to read them over, you're more than welcome. Please take a cup of coffee. This isn't an email. Thank you, Jeannie. I okay, please it. read this. Diana Cariello. Should I just pass you? Right here. Under? 
Give it, give it over give to it her, please. And after Diana, we'll have Karen Sands will be next. Please, go ahead. Good evening, Mr. Mayor and Commission. My name is Diana Cariello, and I've been a Broward County homeowner for over 20 years. It has come to my attention that Broward County Animal Care has failed to achieve its no-kill promise made back in 2012 when we gave them millions for a new facility. It's almost 2020, and this policy, which is antiquated and inhumane, tarnishes the county's image. I'll tell you that. I've been told this personally by people who visit Florida, who visit me. It makes you look terrible. I'm sorry. I'm here today in defense of the animals. They did not ask to be brought into the world. None of us do. Actually, yet, we're all here, and as such, we must coexist peacefully. We need a resolution that shows our community values life as well as its residents. That just doesn't exist if we keep up with our current status quo. We, as a community, want our no-kill promise to be kept. There is no honor in dishonesty, no honor in killing. And yes, I say killing, as euthanasia literally means good death and should never be mistaken for the convenience killing that occurs at Broward County Animal Care on a daily basis. It is only used to end irredeemable suffering. Over 1,400 innocent souls were lost in just this past fiscal year. The sad reality is that most were completely <coughs> healthy. Others required medical treatment that could well have been addressed with the million dollar surplus in the facility's budget. Kittens being killed for lack of a bottle feeder, dogs dying with simple ringworm and the like. This is shameful and unacceptable, and the good people of Broward County will not tolerate this any longer. I'm a long-distance transporter. I transport all over Florida. I'm the person who saved the aforementioned dog, Stormy, from that shelter. I took her on her freedom ride. I go all over the state. Sometimes I spend from, from dawn until midnight on the road. That's what I do. It's what I'm able to contribute. I can't complain about no-kill, after all, if I'm not willing to do my part. Of course, my animals are all fixed. Um, sorry. I can see firsthand how that dog changes as soon as they leave that awful place and breathe in the sweet air of freedom. I have to say we ousted our last lying director, and with all due respect, it's time for the current director to be shown the door before any more precious lives are lost. You know, as easy it is, as it is to fire a director, it's even easier to vote out commissioners who we have no confidence in, who don't respect the wishes of those who have elected them to their public office. Thank you. My tax dollars support this travesty. I'm not seeing a favorable return on my investment in any market that should prompt a change and give us the no-kill. I'm sorry. And the time for a change has come. Please do the right thing. Give us that no-kill that you promised. You owe it to the animals. Thank you. Okay. Next will be Karen Sands. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. I have a letter to read. This gentleman cannot be here today, so I'm going to read this on his behalf. 
My name is PJ Ward, and I am the trainer director for Through the Leash Dog Training and Behavior. I have a team of trainers located in different locations throughout the U.S. and South Florida is one of those locations. Throughout each of our markets, we take time out to connect with many different shelters and rescues who have the same goal as we do, which is to save the lives of as many dogs as possible, one dog at a time. Our goal is to intervene and help many of the dogs in the shelter that some may not, some say are not adoptable. Through our years in the field of dog training, we have saved many of those same dogs' lives by a matter of instilling a line of communication and establishing trust with those dogs. We have found through effective communication and consistency that many of the dogs that were deemed unadoptable are truly not, this is truly not the case. We have a group of trainers who take pride in saving lives and would love to come and help evaluate these dogs at the county shelter. We provide discounted rates. We do free consultation for every single shelter or rescue that we work with because these are the dogs that have the least chance of getting the help that they need to survive. I believe all shelters and or rescues should set aside monies to truly give these dogs a second chance that they deserve. Our team is more than willing to help evaluate and save as many dogs as possible, and I am sure that there are many other trainers in the area that would like to do the same. These here, this is the reason that our trainers do what we do. We have the full, you have the full support from Through the Leash Dog Behavior and Training Team. Best, PJ Ward. Now I have to tell you, Stormy, said dog, one of the said dogs who is going to be our picture, our poster dog here. Stormy was considered extremely prey-driven at the shelter to the point where it, you could not even hold her back if she saw another dog. I saw a video of her last week with the trainer playing for three minutes with a dog and having the time of her life. And she has been out of the shelter, how long has it been, three, four weeks? Uh, she has been in training for the first week she went into a foster home. Then she's been in training for about maybe two and a half, three weeks. This dog completely turned around, completely turned around. This, and this is only one dog, but every dog, every dog matters. And I, I had one question for Bertha. Please. I'm sorry. I I got I got to leave everybody by law. I got to commit everybody by time. So if you want to just can wrap she, up, can you clarify the pet clinic information about what exactly that will entail eventually? Can you? We we when we're done when you're when yeah. the speakers are done, we can come back and okay. get it clarified. All right. Thank you. Next will be Frank Tamero, and after Frank will be Debbie Ceratello. Good evening. How are you all doing? Good evening. Good. I'm here to speak on, on behalf of the animal control situation as well. I was a former volunteer in animal care for over a year, at which time I spent a lot of hours on the weekends going into animal care, helping the staff as a volunteer, cleaning, working with dogs, trying to analyze dogs, getting dogs out. Uh, recently, I was asked not to come back to animal care. I was not given a reason why. My belief is because I disagreed and, and backed up some of the things that are being said here today. That's in the past. I move forward. I now work with these fine people and rescue on the outside. My concern is what continues to happen inside. 
And I believe with this budgeting, we need to work on the staff. That shelter needs more staff. As I went in there, and the, the volunteers are doing all the work inside that shelter, I see conditions in that shelter that are deplorable. Now, whether you like animals or not, that's on you. So this, to me, becomes our people doing their jobs. Are they being held accountable for their jobs? Is that administration being held accountable for their job? And to me, that means do you have enough staff? Is your staff scheduled? Do you have a rescue coordinator? Do you have a qualified volunteer coordinator work with your volunteers? So maybe we start an administration. Like I said, it's not about your caring about animals. It's about are the people who are hired and paid with our taxpayer money doing their job. And that's what I question. I believe that's what we all, you all need to question. Not telling you how to do your jobs. Maybe go in without a warning. Maybe if one without telling them and they weren't cleaning the place up before you got there, maybe it would be you'd see something that I see and that they all see. So that's my ask. Hold people accountable for their jobs. If you hold the people accountable for their jobs, then the conditions there will change. We can all, I can name 100 dogs that I took out of there, worked with on the outside and better. A dog named Heidi, a big mastiff, was padlocked in her kennel, deemed dangerous, vicious, unapproachable. The staff would not go near her for fear of being thin. I walked into that kennel one day. I leaned on her kennel for 10 minutes. That dog started to sniff me. I got a staff member to open that kennel for me, at which point they told me, you are now at your own risk. You are now at risk in your, I said, okay. I sat inside that kennel with that dog for 15 minutes. That dog licked my face after 15 minutes. Today, that dog and her sister, who were deemed too dangerous, Heidi now lives with a wonderful couple and their four-year-old daughter. I can show you pictures of Heidi sitting on a sofa licking that little dog, that little girl's face. It's just one. So if they had proper people, analyzing the dogs, evaluating and vetting the dogs, things might be better. So my ask to all of you is maybe to reevaluate the administration at the shelter and maybe things will get better. I appreciate you giving me the time. Have a nice evening. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Debbie Ceratello. I'm sorry? Oh, she passed, okay. Uh, Darlene Mars. Good evening, and thank you for allowing us to speak on behalf of the animals that can't. The greatness of a nation can be judged by the way its animals are treated. These words are written on the Broward County Animal Care wall. I went in on Sunday to rescue a dog that was going to be put down on Monday. The dog is fantastic. This was the first time I was at Broward County Animal Care, and the conditions there are disgusting. There is urine on the floor in each cage, it smells. The animals are undernourished. They're all very thin. The staff does not know about each animal. I was told that our dog was aggressive. He is not. I was told that he had problems that he does not. They did not even want to bring him out because they were afraid of him. He is lovable. He is young. And he would be dead today if I wasn't there on Sunday to get him. We can do better, and we have to. It's $6 million of the money that we put in to make sure that these animals are cared for, and we need to do better for them and for us. Thank you. Thank you. Darlene Mars. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Rita Libov. Wow, that is a tough group to follow, and I'm kind of surprised. I thought our shelter was a no-kill shelter. Um, that is not why I'm here to speak. I'm here to speak about the budget and the use of county funds. I object to anyone being allowed to maintain their county employment when they do not meet the minimum requirements of a job and or when they provide false information on a job application. And this is never people that are getting the living wage. These are people that are earning $165,000, $110,000, and many others. And just think, if you would take those funds and provide that for proper animal care. I do not think we should be killing animals or not caring for animals the way this group has just expressed. I'm somewhat shocked by that. I really did think that was a no kill shelter and I thought a, a lot of money was spent on that. I actually was going to suggest a lot of other things that the money could be provided for and I have spoken to several commissioners and I saw an article that uh, statements were pulled from a commission meeting in the Sun Sentinel about the fact that Broward County is providing very expensive online resources for free to non-Broward County residents. So every $70 from there could be used for a free service that will make for less stray animals. 500,000 from those e-resources that are provided to non-Broward County residents that would be enough to supplement or replace uh, what the Children's Services Council used to provide for an after-school program. So I am asking that all of you on the commission see that every dollar is spent properly and not wasted. And there are just many things we need in this county that the money could be better spent. Thank you. Thank you. Patricia Leiden. Hello. Hi, Patricia. Quite, how are you? Sorry. Hi, Steve. I think it's quite clear this meeting is really about uh, Lorelei Combs. She makes $125,000 a year. She obviously doesn't put it in her pocket to do the right thing when you have people that are going beyond what is expected of them to do something of something that's so innocent. When you have something innocent, we have responsibility to do the right thing. I can't 
basically fire her, but I think that with Bertha Henry, she can fire her. And if Bertha Henry doesn't fire her, then she needs to wind up getting fired herself. This is not okay when you have everybody here that's telling you there's bad things going on and people are putting deaf ears to it. We're, we're not here to say, you know, um, or schmooze over something because there's some innocent animals that are needing the, the help from, from all of us, but you're responsible because you're the ones that can do something. So understand something. What does shelter mean? It's to protect, to take care of. We're not putting them in a shelter to let them feel fear, let them have horrible things happen to them before they die and leave this world. We all leave this world. And when we do leave this world, we're not gonna be going and leaving this world thinking about what I could have got from you. We'll be thinking about how I could have done better. And people don't do better. They sit there and they think somebody else should do the job for them. You have a lot of people here that can end more than that are sitting back here. I promise you, you get a whole bunch of people that are doing the nonprofit that will tell you that this woman here, Ms. Combs, is killing dogs last minute, not even giving people a chance to come and save them. She's not helping with the nonprofits. People are screaming and crying because they're emotional because they care. But this woman, Bertha, she don't, I'm not Bertha, forgive me, but this woman, Combs, she's not caring. You're responsible to overlook this. You can fire her. She's obviously smooching people and not doing the right thing. There's too many people that are letting you know that. So that's what needs to be taken heed here because we can be a no-kill. The way people treat animals, they'll treat people the same way. If you don't care about how an animal is, you won't care about the innocence of the human being. And you could take that to the bank. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Wendy. Uh, Roslyn, uh, I'm sorry, Roslyn Greenberg. Is that the right name? Is it, is it Roslyn Greenberg? She's also known as Rosie, just so you know. I do know That's her. Rosala, right. Rosie. That's right. All right, you got it, Rosie. Take it away. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Mayor Bogan and uh, uh, Vice Mayor Holness. Due to medical problems I acquired in the past few years, my need for transportation and not to be dependent on others is very important. I surely feel that there are many people in Broward County who are unable to go to various venues, doctors' appointments, meetings such as this, to speak up, etc. It means a great deal to all who have a disability. I totally believe and agree that much support for this is valuable. The TOPS program and any other ways is better than not being able to get out and be social and contribute to society. Commissioners, in your budget, please fund this so we can contribute and voice our personal experiences totally and not be a shut-in and remain responsible and important citizens, whether it be getting to work or a social function, even though we may be physically challenged and vulnerable, our brain still works. Is that it? <laughs> Is that it, Rosie? That's it. Thank you for coming before us. And, 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 your, and your brain does wait, work wait, very wait, well. Wait, wait, Roz, Roz uh, Senator Kanish Geller has a question for you. Sure. Very quickly, ma'am, we are funding the TOPS program. Are you familiar with the program that permits uh, taxi cab rides? Uh, okay. I just found out about it the other day. Um, Mr. Holness uh, and I were talking about it. 
and there was a gentleman who is part of the advisory for disability, which I am part of, um, spoke about it, and he said that he thought that it would come together very well once it got into, um, they, they were looking into it further, and uh, he thought that it would be a very good idea to do that also. Yes, just recently. Hold on, Vice Mayor Holness wants yeah, to thank, thank you for coming in, and, and your mind is working quite well. Thanks. Uh, and the conversation we had, uh, the gentleman you mentioned uh, thought that we should probably expand it, yes. uh, which makes it more beneficial for folks like you. So I'm glad you actually came uh, based on our conversation. And uh, if we can, I know that we, we, we're doing a pilot now, and I'm hoping that we can actually move it forward even to a greater extent than we have. So someone with an incredible sharp mind as yours can be out contributing uh, to the betterment of our community. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. And I appreciate everyone's help in here. If this goes through, it will be great. Thank you, Rosie. Next would be Wendy Martin. I don't know if there's a, I'm missing your middle name here. Is that right, Wendy? Wendy, Wendy Martin. Great. Okay. Do you have a handout? It's going out to each of you. We need to fund the existing voucher programs and incorporate vouchers for low and no cost preventive care. I'm supportive of adding a million dollars to the budget for the care of our homeless and neglected pets, but not in allocations proposed by the shelter director. With a little more thought in line with the goals of No Kill, taking into account the strategic plan goals, best friends assessment, and the development of an actual action plan, there are other more impactful ways to spend a million dollars. The facts are we need an aggressive spay-neuter program to help reduce our pet populations, and we need to encourage pet retention by offering low and no-cost preventive care. The director says she wants to do these services herself. The truth is her division is not equipped to provide these services for the more than 500 animals in the shelter, let alone community animals. This isn't a question of whether the community desires the extra funding, but how to ensure the maximum dollars are spent in the community and not in our county bureaucracy. We need to fund the existing voucher programs that have not been funded since May 15, 2019. That means TNR, RTF, and community services are not being provided. Even if the fort was being used at the Humane Society before Hurricane Dorian, we don't really know who was using it because the voucher program had no money in it. No one knows the truth because a lack of transparency from the shelter tells us that, that we don't know who benefit from the services. What is evident is the director has no actual plan to address these two major issues. Giving her this money is unwise and foolish. Fund the voucher program, expand it. We asked for backup documentation about these plans. There are no plans. This is the MO of this director. You hired an unqualified and inexperienced leader for a division. It's compounded by appointing unqualified subordinates in vital programs like rescue, foster, volunteer and enrichment, among others. It was recently stated to me, what would we do if the county dismissed her? And my response is, the status quo would be maintained, just like when Thomas Adair left. This director is no closer 
to reaching no kill than any of her predecessors. Instead of killing like previous directors, she's hoarding. She doesn't have enough staff in an overcapacity facility. Eight part-time workers isn't going to get us there. In over 18 months, she's implemented no actual plans to achieve no kill. Fund the vouchers, add a voucher for, for preventive care, and quite frankly, find a new director. Thank you. Joanne Owen. After that, Cheryl Ellis, you're on deck. Good afternoon. I've lived in Broward County since 1980, and in full disclosure, I am on the Animal Care Advisory Committee because of Commissioner Geller. I got off a red-eye flight this morning uh, from California, in which I didn't sleep. I'm only here because of cappuccino. So my notes are pretty scribbled, and I'm going to talk fast. I am against the allocation of nearly $300,000 for these sports when we have two that have been severely underutilized. I've seen the numbers. There has been a really low number of spay and neuters done, surgeries for the amount of time these sports have been uh, either sitting at the shelter or over at the Humane Society. The shelter has been severely staffed for over a year. I noticed this a year ago last July, uh, July of 2018. I walked around and around a long time. I couldn't find any employee in the kennel areas. I thought for sure the new director would remediate the situation. I understood that she left a lot of money, though, still on the table. Why didn't that happen? I know it takes a long time, from what I've heard, to go through the interviewing process with the county, the background checks. But fast forward to, July, to January of this year, I literally spent an hour and 40 minutes walking around in the back kennel areas with a list of eight urgent dogs with their names, their ID numbers, and their pictures. I wanted to see their do these dogs, take their pictures, and try to promote these dogs. I didn't find one of them. I walked up and down every row of every unit. I looked on every kennel, every kennel card, which, by the way, a lot of those kennel cards show the name unknown, if you want to call it a name, uh, for up to five weeks since the dogs were brought in there. Why, why does it take so long to give the dog a name? An hour and 40 minutes, and in, in that time, I went back and forth out to the lobby. It was a Saturday afternoon, and I waited in line because the people in the lobby, the staff, were so busy. And I asked them, please, is there anyone working back in the kennels? And the answers I got were pretty stunning. They said, somebody should be there. And I'd go back and look again. And I finally started asking for the director in the lobby on that Saturday, right after a community meeting took place. I was told that either they didn't know where she was or they thought she had left for the day. Nobody was home. It was disturbing. An hour and 40 minutes. Nobody in the back kennel areas. Now, we, I, we, I could just go on and on. The best friends report that I understand Lorelei Combs claims that she requested to be done to bring in the Best Friends Animal Society, recommends numerous things. What has been done? I mean, the, there's so many things going on that are so disturbing. One of the things they brought up is the kennels need to be disinfected after the animals are taken out. That is not being done. Instead, high-powered hoses are being used on these animals, many of whom are frightened. They may never have seen the person using a high-powered hose. I don't think any of us would appreciate a high-powered hose coming at us. I think we would all react in some way. Instead, these animals are labeled reactive. They go from a green dot to a yellow dot. Next thing you know, they're brought back into isolation and they're killed. This is not right. And what about volunteers being fired? Some of the best volunteers at that shelter, like Frank Tamaro, who is the best person that the shelter has had over there since I've been on the Animal Advisory Committee, have been fired. Nobody can handle dogs like Frank. 
and they love him. I am asking for the reinstatement of these volunteers. This Thank is, it's, it's a travesty what's been going on. And I'll fast forward because I know I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. almost up. But this director was brought in with no directorial experience, no budgetmatic experience, no transparency, and I myself, two times during the month of July, I went over on Sundays with treats, and I was bullied, intimidated, and I was told to stop. That's Thank ridiculous. You. Thank you, Joanne. Cheryl Ellis. And next after Cheryl will be Sloan Cowart. Hi, Cheryl. Hi. Welcome. My name is Cheryl Ellis. I've been a resident of Broward County since 1986. I am also a registered voter. To begin with, uh, the shelter is not ADA compliant. Uh, there's a lot of problems with opening the doors. There is a green button that is supposed to provide automatic door opening. Well, it has not worked since the shelter has been opened. Okay, and insofar as uh, the animals and their behavior, you may not be aware, but um, they have been reduced to feeding the animals one meal a day down from two. No snacks are allowed while the dogs are in their areas simply because they are saying the dogs throw up. The dogs do not throw up. The more you feed an animal, just as the more you feed a human being, the more they will go to the bathroom, which makes cleanup very difficult. What we are suggesting is that you repurpose the budget, at least somewhat, to account for ADA so that handicapped people like myself can easily get in and out of the different areas of the shelter, which they cannot. Often I have to rely on somebody to open the doors for me because I don't have the physical strength to handle that. With regards to the transparency of the shelter, um, there is a failure to be transparent as far as euthanasia, the reasons for that. I know that seems to be a little difficult for some people to take in. However, they instituted a program called Pathways in which not only the marketing coordinator, but the foster care coordinator, volunteer coordinator, and others were supposed to submit three rescue blasts to all uh, available 501c3s to be able to remove the problem animal and to be able to deal with it on their own terms. Instead, this is falling on the volunteers and the public. You've already heard the offer of a licensed operating dog trainer. They operate not only in Florida, but also in Ohio. If you can extend the staff to at least double, you might get some better responses. Um, one of the last things I would like to compliment, uh, comment on is an x-ray machine was donated last year to the clinic. It has never been taken out of the box. It has never been used. They have declined to return it to Friends of Broward Animal Care. And by increasing the clinic, that's not going to increase usage of something that they begged to have donated to them, and they never took out of the box. And I'm going to conclude um, just by saying, please, they have promised many things to the community. The community turns to us the people who reach into their pockets, not the people who are paid. Do you have any questions? Otherwise, I'll excuse myself. No. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank, Thank you, Cheryl. Sloan Coward, Coward? Did I pronounce that right? Okay. Good evening, everybody. Money allocated to animal care must be spent on the welfare of our shelter animals. 
which it has not under the current leadership. Kennels still remain understaffed, resulting in 200 plus dogs sitting in deplorable conditions. The director continues to kill adoptable animals, many without rescue pleas. She lacks the skills to manage a shelter or a budget. She came on board with zero experience with neither of these skills, and it shows. Just walk the kennels. Funds for the upcoming fiscal year must be invested in programs, hiring of qualified and compassionate staff. This has not and will not happen under this director. The request for funding a pet clinic isn't serving the needs of the shelter animals. The director must first and foremost address the medical needs of the animals within the care of the shelter, which she has repeatedly failed to do. There is no preventative care being given nor medical treatment of sick dogs at our shelter. Many of us have scrambled to save many very sick dogs and at-risk dogs on our own time and with our own money, despite the blatant lack of cooperation and compassion from the current director. Funds for a spay-neuter van costing pay taxpayers $300,000 is irresponsible spending, while two mobile fort units sit idle for the past 18 months, which have already cost $100,000 each. The facility in Pompano, also sitting idle for 18 months, should be used for 24-hour neonatal care and dogs who are not sheltering well in the main facility. Many citizens padded their own pockets now for spay and neuter since the shelter ran out of funds in May, only halfway through the fiscal year. Why are you giving her more money to squander on things rather than investing in the infrastructure and building off that platform? This current director has created a chronic and deplorable hoarding facility, which she cannot adopt her way out of. She has driven a wedge between the shelter and the community. She has dismissed experienced longtime volunteers and turned down free, free spay-neuter help by local veterinarians. Commissioners, if you cannot recognize deplorable and mismanagement, then you are sadly detached and non-committed to the welfare of our shelter animals. By giving money to this director, you are enabling the lack of transparency and accountability, which is resulting in ongoing suffering and killing of adoptable animals. Conditions are getting worse for the animals with no positive end in sight after 18 months with this director. And you are going to give her more money for things. The shelter doesn't need more things. It needs a new director. As a taxpayer and concerned citizen for the welfare of the shelter animals, I am demanding the dismissal of the current director. We must work together to find a competent and compassionate director who will partner with the community to find positive outcomes for the shelter animals. Don't continue to fail the animals in the community. Our homeless animals, our homeless shelter animals need new leadership now. Her time is up. And some of you are for re-election too next year. Remember that. Um, I think it's Hale or a cameraman? Hale. Hale. Got it right. Not too good with the pronunciation. No, no, it's cool. My name is Hale Cameron. Uh, I'm also a Broward County resident and also a registered voter. Uh, on the car ride over here, I kind of prepared what I needed to say. I did not type up a speech. The reason for being here today is when I went to donate some items to the Broward County Animal Control, I repeatedly called there for three days. I could not get anybody to answer the phone. Of course, I was able to Google the address and get over there. To, what I wanted to find out was what I, is if what I was wanting to donate was acceptable. You know, this just like any other business needs to have the phones answered. I hear all these stories about these animals that are being put to sleep because they're unadoptable or nobody's adopting them. If somebody's calling here and nobody's answering, then their next phone call is to the next business right down the street, which is Humane Society or any other shelter. When I asked 
uh, the volunteer at the front counter why she didn't answer the phone because I called it right in front of her and it rang right there at the counter. She said, we're not allowed to. And I said, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you not be allowed to? So I spoke with a woman and I do not remember her name. She, was, she said she was the assistant to Lorelei. Uh, she said they had one volunteer that uh, was not answering the phones properly. If you hire somebody at $10 an hour for 40 hours a week, that comes out to 20,800 per year. If you hire two people, so you've got two people answering the phones at all times, you're talking about a total of 45,000 out of a $6 million budget. There is no business that can operate without its phones being answered. So if people cannot reach this facility, they cannot find out if a dog is available, if they've got a question about bringing a dog, if they've got a question about picking up an animal, there's no way to do it. And this went on for three days. I also recommended if they're so short on money, they said they have no room in the budget for uh, to hire somebody. I said, why don't you have the volunteers answer it? And that's when they said they're not allowed to. Uh, Humane Society and Plantation Dog Park, as well as other uh, facilities, but these two I happen to know personally, have uh, a brick paver walkway where you can purchase a brick. My dog deceased. I purchased one at Humane Society for $250. And one at Broward, uh, I'm sorry, Plantation Dog Park for $60. A simple walkway that is 10 foot by 10 foot. If you can imagine how small that is, that is the size of most people's bathroom. 10 by 10 uh, comes out to $45,000 per year if you sold each paver at only $100. There's certainly money to be made to accommodate having somebody answer the phone and or uh, if you really wanted to raise some money to feed these pets or keep them on longer without having them put to sleep, a simple uh, 10 foot by 50 foot winding walkway of pavers where people can purchase them for their deceased pets would donate to the uh, facility $900,000 when all were done. It's 9,000 pavers for two walkways and each paver sells for $100. Humane Society and the dog park are filled with these pavers, so people certainly do buy them. My time's up. Thank you. Thank you, Hale. Okay, um, the only comment, I'm gonna bring it back to the, uh, the desk. I've got three speakers in queue. And the only thing I wanna add that since uh, I read from um, what we just mentioned about the uh, millage rate, I uh, just wanna make it clear that the county commission has not raised the millage rate. And the only reason taxes have gone up is the property values have gone up. With that, I'll start with Commissioner Sharif. Ms. Henry. Is there anybody that could answer some questions that I have regarding um, the animal care shelter? Yes, ma'am. Um, well, I want to know how many staff members are paid and on there on a regular basis, working there full time. So if I can have Ms. Lorelei come to the podium. Who, who's this? That's Lorelei, Ms. Cole. She, she's the director? Yes. Hi. Um, how many paid staff do you have? 85. Thank you. And then how many volunteers do you have? Over 500. <laughs> um, you know what? That's not. You know what? Wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Folks, you're either going to have to be respectful or I'm going to have to have you leave. So please be respectful. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We have those listed in uh, Volgistics. They're uh -huh. all registered. Uh, we also have over 350 that are registered as active. Uh -huh. Okay. And um, 
I, I hear the, um, the 85 paid staff, are they full-time? Yes. How many animals do you have right now? Over 400. And um, how many euthanasias have we had this year? Year total, I yes. don't have that off the top of my head, but mm -hmm. uh, last month, 107. Okay. Um, I'm going to make a statement, and that was that when we sat on this dais and we um, implemented, a, we aspired to be a no-kill county, but we never said we were a no-kill county. We are trying to get there, and we have been putting things in place ever since. Um, at what is your cleaning schedule like in your facility? We clean in the morning, uh -huh. and then we spot clean during the day. Okay. And how many meals do the animals get? They get one meal a day. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is that the norm? Um, yes, it is for shelters. Right. Some pets that are owned personally, I'm sure people feed them twice a day. Mm -hmm. I personally fed my dogs once a day. Mm -hmm. um, if, uh, if an animal has feces in, in their cage on, on any given time, how many people would be working um, to maintain these 400 animals at any given point in time? So, Well, there could be 12 to 18 people on staff in the kennels. Mm -hmm. We also have volunteers that come in and help us. Um, so it changes. Usually mm -hmm. every row would have two or three in a row. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you know, I just have to say, um, Lorelai, I don't know you and you don't know me. I mean, I, I know of you because we hired you and I don't come to the kennel because I'm allergic to dogs and cats. Um, but I just, I find this extremely difficult to listen to people lobby insults and accusations um, uh, on a regular basis and um, in a public forum. And I just wondered sometimes when they come up here and say these things, how they would feel if somebody did that to them at their job. I also don't, I don't care for the threats either, but um, I want you to know that um, this county commission was dedicated and committed to um, trying to make sure that there was a place for our animals and um, a better place. I've heard people saying that you're killing animals unnecessarily and then calling you a hoarder. Well, which one is it? Are you hoarding or killing? If you're hoarding them, that means you're, tr you're keeping them around a long time trying to see if you can get somebody to adopt them. If you're killing them, I would say that you'd have a lot less than 400 animals in the, in the kennel right now. So I, I'm, I'm going to say to you that as a county commissioner, I am, um, I am supportive of you and what you're doing. I think caring for animals is a very difficult thing because people get very emotional. More so, people second? get emotional about animals more than they do human beings. I have been on this county commission for almost nine years now, and I haven't um, seen this level of uh, participation when we're talking about homelessness and we're talking about um, housing issues and human beings. So I would have to say that this is probably a very emotionally charged thing. I also know that um, 
when I had the issue in my district, which we went after we implemented this, we were euthanizing over 1,100 animals in a year in just in, in my area of the county. And so I think that that has decreased substantially, which is why I am extremely supportive of you. I want you to know that on this dais. I also want to dispel something else that was said here previously at the first budget hearing, and that is that we don't respond to emails. Um, for, for me, Commissioner Michelle Lazaro is in my district, and I saw Michelle at the Martin Luther King Parade. She didn't tell me anything about these animals. Um, she didn't say she sent emails, and I hadn't gotten any emails. So um, I can't stand it when people come up here and make accusations and allegations and don't have anything to support it. I also would like you to know that if you need other resources, that you can, my door is open for you to come and ask for them. Thank you. I appreciate and, that. Um, I want you to also understand that if bringing volunteers in from the street is not providing consistency for you to provide the level of care that you want or need, then um, let us know that too. Um, but I really think that you have probably one of the most difficult jobs in Broward County because it's the job that nobody wants. Everybody wants to critique and nobody really knows what it's going to take to get us where we want to be. And this, is ex this was an experience for us. This is a new undertaking for Broward County to try to become a no-kill county. And I said we aspire to become a no-kill county. Not that we are there yet. And so if, if we can't and if we don't have the capacity to um, house 1,000, 2,000 animals and we can't adopt them out, then there's no way to continue this. And um, I'm just really um, amazed at how much you've taken and how much you've put up with. Um, I don't think a person's salary should be um, attacked like that. I can only imagine that... Um, you know, these people who have come here that have lobbied these complaints, you know, we had this position posted and if they could have done a better job, I would have loved to have seen an application. Um, but it is what it is at this point and, you know, you have my full support as a county commissioner here. Whatever I can do to help you, I will. And um, that's pretty much what I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Please, uh, a lawyer like, can you stay up there, please? Um, generally, we don't really uh, want any applause. If you want to wave your hands, I appreciate it. Um, can I ask you a couple quick questions? Yes. And, um, uh, is it uh, so? There are a lot of different shelters all over this country. Uh, is there a standard of practices that you know, that differ? Are they usually the same? When you run a shelter here, would that be the same as running a shelter in Chicago or anywhere else? Well, it all depends on your budget. It also depends on uh, the time of year, how many pets you have, but there are best practices, and that's something we've been attempting to implement since the very beginning. So I have two, just a couple quick questions. Sure. In, in best practices, um, a lot of times when I get emails from people who are upset with the shelter, it shows pictures of, of, of uh, urine or dog uh, feces in, in the kennel. 
Um, is it best? Is the best practice cleaning it just in the morning and then spot checking it later, or is it twice or three times a day? Do you know what best practices are? It's cleaning in the morning and then spot cleaning in the afternoon. What does spot cleaning mean? That means you go in with a, a little shovel and you pick up the poop. So, so that ha so that actually happens more than once a day. As the often as the dog needs. Okay. Now, if they are sick and they have diarrhea, they're and they're going to play in it. It's going to be spread around a little bit more. Okay, and one meal per day is that best practices versus a lot of the other places. Yes. Okay, um, I'm going to go to Commissioner um, Geller. I have you down. Okay. Um, first, um, I did want to say that in there were a couple of state, two statements made that I, I just had to correct. Uh, one of our speakers said that we have no spay neuter program here. I would agree that it's underfunded, but to say that there there is no program is simply not accurate. Also, that. Um, the, we had two forts there doing nothing. It's my understanding, and Mr. Schneezak, I'm basing this on the memo that I've received from you. Miss um, Coombs, if it's not accurate, please correct what I'm saying. One of those two forts was based on a grant that specifically limited that it could only be used for certain cat purposes, but that it also couldn't be used under the terms of the grant until it had been fitted out and we needed to wait for the remainder of that grant to fit it out. Is that accurate? That's correct. And the second fort has in fact been used, although for, sometimes it's back there, but it is not as movable as people think because it requires uh, uh, moving it with special equipment, it requires setup, and that in fact I saw that it had been at the Humane Society for a while, and there were a great number of spay neuters performed with that. Is that accurate? Yes, over 2,000. Okay, thank you. Now, having listened, yes. Over 2,000 what? At 2,000 spay neuters, neuters at the fort that they said isn't being used. So we essentially have two forts, if you call them that. The one fort is uh, all loaded up with equipment for spaying and neutering, and that's being used in the Humane Society's parking lot. They've done over 2,000 surgeries. The second fork is essentially an empty shed that's filled up with supplies. We were using it for storage because we did not have the money to outfit it for the kitten nursery. However, with our Petco grant of the 250000 part of that will be outfitting that uh, nursery also moving it up to Pompano as we move forward to opening that clinic open with a 501 as we are moving forward with that too. Okay, um, two more quick items. I, I agree that the spay-neuter program is underfunded and my understanding is that uh, there has been a uh, substantial problem getting paid from specifically pet supermarket and other veterinarians, uh, according to the, because I was listening what y'all were talking. I had met before the last budget hearing, and I've met since the last budget hearing with the representatives of the animal community. To, I'm, I'm taking what you're saying seriously. It's my understanding from the county attorney's office that we were owed three hundred forty-three thousand six hundred fifty 
$1.25. Does that amount sound correct to you? Yes, it does. Okay. And it's my understanding, County Attorney's Office, please verify that demand letters have been sent and that you are working aggressively to recoup that outstanding amount, which would go into the Animal Care Trust Fund, including the spay-neuter. Is that, that correct? That's correct. Okay. And then the um, last issue is, again, because I am concerned about funding the spay-neuter program. Ms. Henry, in your absence, I've spoken with Monica, uh, and I, I've spoke with you very, very briefly about this. Last year, there was a one-time shortfall caused by a decrease in the amount of the uh, animal uh, tags. Um, there was a software error and some other issues which have resulted in a one-time non-recurring uh, shortfall. And it's my understanding that as the, this is now back online, we're expecting for the following budget year to go back to numbers and hopefully we can increase those uh, through some marketing things that I believe you are initiating, trying to increase the number of sales. But I have spoken with, uh, again, primarily with Ms. Zapero in your absence, but now with you about the possibility of trying to backfill that one-time non-recurring number um, so that to ensure that right now they're supposed to have less in the spay-neuter program than they did last year. And so I am hoping that you can find somewhere in the budget the ability, again, I'm emphasizing non-recurring, um, to just try and backfill the number that was caused by the, primarily by the software glitch so that the spay-neuter program would at least have the same amount as it did last year. Thank you. Thanks. Sure. Commissioner Rich. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, well, I actually have considered it a privilege to have been working with you for the past 18 months Thank on you. trying to help improve uh, the shelter. Um, the first thing you did when you came here was to ask for best friends to come and uh, do an analysis of the shelter, and they did that. So the first thing I'd like to ask you is uh, to talk a little bit about that, what they found, um, and uh, you have a strategic plan which you are implementing, which takes into account many of the recommendations. I'd like you to just kind of give us an overview of that. Certainly. Because there's just a lot of inaccuracies in what has been said in some True. cases. Um, Best Friends is one of the largest animal welfare organizations that are very positive and come into shelters and help us all uh, achieve a better outcome for our pets. Uh, I asked them to come and, and asked permission to have them come to do an assessment because I needed to know where we were. Um, we were in between quite a few uh, in, uh, positions and so I wanted to bring an organization in that I knew and that I could trust. And they came in in November, and they sent that out in January. Uh, they noted the areas of concern that I wanted to focus on, uh, and they confirmed some other ideas that I had. But I truly appreciated their opinion, their professional, their kindness. And one thing they did find was how willing and great our staff is to work and as hard as they do, regardless of how they're treated mm -hmm. and regardless of, of what compliments they may rarely get. So they saw a compassionate uh, 
policy there. We put in a workforce and cultural agreement that we all want to get along and be kind to each other and support each other. And they recommended that. They also came in and just uh, oversaw our volunteer program. We did a whole booklet with them, which will be going out to volunteers shortly. They also make recommendations of what type of volunteers to keep and what type of volunteers to gather more of. So we continue to work with them. They just gave us a $10,000 grant to match yours, which I truly appreciate, which will be going in and doing low-cost wellness clinics or free in certain areas that we know where they need them the most. So uh, that's a little bit about Best Friends. Okay, and could you talk a little bit, the question was asked out there about uh, what the uh, free, what the, what the uh, clinic, the new clinic will be doing, the wellness clinic. Could you explain a little bit yes, about please. what the impact that that will have and has around the country? Absolutely. With other places that have these kinds of clinics? Yes, it's modeled after the Emancipate low-cost wellness clinic that's in Austin, Texas, that serves Travis County. We know the areas that need services the most. They still love their pets, but they just can't get wellness. We all know if you've taken your pet to a veterinarian how expensive that is. Our community uh, and their, our, our pet owners, they need low-cost wellness for their pets, just like we need low-cost health care for all of us. So we propose having a low-cost wellness clinic that will give vaccinations that are crucial to the wellness of the dogs and cats in our county, and also low-cost spaying and neutering. So we want to make this affordable, uh, yet profitable, and, and open to everyone. Uh, that's a low-cost wellness clinic. Uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, Pompano? Because the analysis is a little different than what was mentioned here about Pompano. Certainly. I saw Pompano probably the first month uh, I moved here. I saw Jewel. It was under disarray from the last hurricane, and I saw a great opportunity to open it uh, with a 501 running it uh, that wanted to be uh, larger, that wanted to do more. There will be specific items that they must check in this box of application, and it's going to serve our mission of no kill, which means a 90% live release rate, and they will support that by doing transports, by pulling pets from us, by helping us with low-cost wellness clinics. We have a rabies clinic there every month now. So uh, Pompano is a jewel. It's just waiting to go through the process. So all our 501s, even national groups, will be getting that application so they too can apply. And we'll select the best group to support Broward County's mission of being no-kill. And I, I also would like uh, you to respond to the fact that it's been said that there is no vet care at the shelter. We have two great new veterinarians. Um, they uh, live in Commissioner Udine's uh, uh, district and Commissioner Geller's district. They are shelter veterinarians. They are very good at medical care. They're very fast at surgeries. Um, I feel very grateful to have them. It took a very long time to find them. As you know, there are, is a shortage of uh, veterinarians across the United States. So we're very fortunate to have these two veterinarians with us. And these vet veterinarians, uh, it was said that people, the pets that become ill don't get treatment in the shelter. So they treat those pets that become ill in the shelter. Yes, absolutely. With the resources we have, we'll use every antibiotics and mixes of to try to overcome kennel cough. 
It continually goes round and round in our shelter. It, it's uh, one dog sneezes and it's airborne. Um, you know, so it is a, a difficult disease to contain, but we continually will treat them. We put them in isolation and we give them all the medications we can. If we feel that we're not uh, able to care for that pet, we post that to rescue groups and, and we'll continue to do that and ask the community for help. And could you just mention about what is the situation with the x-ray machine? Uh, the, we had medical equipment uh, donated, but the medical equipment was not completely paid for. So a portion of the medical equipment, uh, when we received a bill from the company themselves, said there's a balance due. And we were like, okay, well, we'll talk to the person that you purchased it or made the agreement with. In the process, we have been outfitting uh, a new room for the x-ray machine, and again, it is a process. But we look forward to the day, we'll okay. celebrate it when that is done, and mm -hmm. we're still moving forward on that. Okay. And lastly, could you just uh, talk a little bit about where you are with no-kill? Uh, last month, we have almost 92% live release for dogs. And the cats are in the low 80%. Unfortunately, we had an episode of panleukemia again for the cats. And our policy right now, uh, our veterinarians, they do have the right to schedule animals for euthanasia because they did take that oath to never let a pet suffer. And they will euthanize pets that we can't save, which from uh, panleuk, the kittens. Okay, um, so those are my questions. And uh, I just wanna say, uh, that um, foundations don't give $250,000, I don't think, to shelters that they think are not doing any kind of a decent job or a good job or a great job. I mean, I think that they were pretty clear about that. We went there last week, and uh, you saw they came here today, but uh, there were uh, store managers from Jupiter on down, um, and they are strong, strong supporters uh, of our shelter. So, and I think that that inures to the work that you have done and the outreach there. So um, I just, you know, want to say you have my support and we'll continue to work. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We have things that we can make better, but we've come a long way since uh, the last uh, uh, director was here. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Commissioner Ryan. Most of the areas of inquiry that I had were covered by the previous comments of our commissioners, but I just had a couple of questions. Um, with regard to um, phone calls, phone intake and, and answering, uh, what's your current policy? I believe if they're speaking with a customer, uh, they will not answer the phone. We do have someone who is a full-time employee that does sit in a, a section that customers do not have uh, access to, and she does answer the phone. We do take a lot of messages. Um, if they're with a customer uh, out in the lobby or uh, in admissions, they're not gonna answer the phone. So um, could we use someone answering the phone all the time? Absolutely. Uh, we have a new uh, frequently asked questions list that's just gonna get started with a volunteer. Um, so it's a pilot program right now and they're answering questions right now uh, at home with the frequently uh, list of asked questions. Um, so we will have volunteers. Uh, we just started that to answer the phone and answer questions for folks. All right, because um, you know, a lot of people 
uh, have, make a preliminary decision on whether they want to make an on-site visit based upon some information that they'll gather with the uh, phone inquiry. So I think that's an important aspect for public relations, for providing you know, current information. Um, so persons who, who call, they'll get, if there's somebody that's working the system, they'll, they'll get a, uh, a live one-on-one -on -one discussion on whatever the, the inquiry is. Mm -hmm. And then if messages are left, uh, do you have a policy on how soon or if they are you know, answered? Well, they need to all be answered. Um, and so uh, everything is written down and we get to it within a few days, I know for sure. Especially if it's a priority, it goes to field and we'll send it over there to the supervisors right away. All right, if you could come to my office in the next couple of weeks, maybe we'll have a, a further discussion on, on how you, your, your current policy is and what, you know, what else you may want to implement in that regard. Great, And then um, with regard to um, unannounced visits, um, you, um, what, what level of, of uh, access is, you know, provided, say, if a county commissioner were to just pop on in and uh, take a look around? You can come through the door anytime at 11 a.m. Um, walk straight to right or left. You'll see cats straight back. You'll see the dogs. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Can I just clarify one thing, uh, and then I'm going to recognize Commissioner Furr. You have 80, you say you have 85 paid staff, but you don't have people that can answer a phone all the time, and you have 500 volunteers, obviously not all working at the same time. Right. But, and I, I just, I, I agree with Commissioner Ryan. I think it's really important if somebody's going to call and want to adopt a dog, I want to do something, and then there's a message and you'll get back to me in a couple days maybe, I, I'm going to think you guys are flakes and, you know, I'm going to have a bad impression. Right. And, and I think it's important that the phones are answered all the time. I think the phones, you know, I have staff, they answer the phones. We all have staff. Their job is to, you know, that's our way of dealing with the public. We have to be able to be there for the public. And, and so I don't know how, you know, you utilize your resources, but I certainly would encourage that, the, that whatever you do is where the phone calls are answered and obviously, or return that day, um, my own opinion. Commissioner Furr. Thank you. I, I, I agree with that. This is, we're doing public service here for the, for the animals and for the public, public on this. And it's important for them to, to have that immediate uh, response. Much like what I was asking for, and, we, and you did, and thank you, mm -hmm. put your strategic plan on the website uh, so that everyone knew, here's what we're trying to do, here's what's being done, here's where we're falling short, here's where we're, we're getting to the goals. That's important. That's public service. I do think it's. I, I think it's going to be um, incumbent upon us to try to help you have resources to do that, because that is if if we're going to if the public wants to see what where we're at, particularly with no kill, euthanasia, all those, those kind of things, we need to be able. That that's kind of what part of the, doing that best friends best the best strategies was. Mm -hmm. Here's what the strategies are. Here's where we're at. So you, I, you need to let us know if that's, a, if that's something that you need. This is the time. In other words, if, you, if you're needing re, uh, resources, and sometimes it might be shared resources. Sometimes it might be somebody in our public information office that could help out. There, that, you know, there's different ways of doing it. It doesn't have to be absolutely dedicated to animal control. But we need to find a way to make sure that we are being transparent to the public. 
Um, one thing that I was that I am a little concerned with is when I see that the number of spay and neuters is based on the number of pet tag sales during a fiscal year. I don't know why it's based on that. It should be based on need, not tag sales, because that is that is you are putting a limit on what the problem is. In other words, the the, the we are we are putting. I know we did. 2,461 surgeries this year. I'm assuming those are spay and neuter. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, by May, the vouchers that were, we were giving out, and we were giving out a lot, were gone. You know it, I know it. And, and the way that we were giving them out can be better. And I understand we're changing that strategy. Can you elaborate on that a little bit, Hal? Certainly. The uh, low-cost voucher program, you put in your income and we'll print out a voucher in three minutes that gives you a spay-neuter for free or from $40 to $75. Um, our funds ran out. They did um, yeah. because our tag sales dropped. Our web licensing uh, software uh, insisted on an upgrade, and so we started the process for those monies to get towards that, and I'm happy to say we're going to get that now. Okay. and start that up again. Um, so tag sales lacked. Um, our language that when we sent out uh, notices that you were behind in your tag or your rabies vaccination softened uh, as a request um, from the public and that it was too severe to put these fines in in that language. And I personally disagree with that. So the language is going to change again because, you know, we give you 30 days to get uh, your rabies shot done. Um, and then we also tell you where the clinics are, where you can get a pet done for $25 or $35 if it's not altered. So I think um, that system needed to change and needed some upgrades. And we'll go back with the firm language because that works. You know, it's honest. This is what's going to happen if you don't get your rabies shot. Um, but that's why the tag sales uh, dropped. We also had an employee change and a software uh, upgrade. So it did affect our sales. Okay. W would you agree that that, that system or, or the spay and neuter is key, uh, probably among all other things, to trying to get to the no-kill, correct? I think, you know, if you've heard I mean, if, before. If you've got, you got one of the top things you're going to try to do to aspire to that, uh -huh. isn't that going to be one of them? It is. Going into the community and offer, offering uh, no-cost or low-cost spaying and neutering for the hundreds of thousands of pets out there and their owners, absolutely. Yeah. But, but we are limiting is very that. Important. We are limiting that to the number of tag sales. And if we really are serious about trying to get to no-kill, then we need to really consider not basing it on that. That, should, that is, yes, that is, our, that is a, a pot of money for it, but that is a false equivalence of why you're trying to, what you're trying to do there. So we need to reevaluate ourselves why, why we're using that number to determine how we're funding span neuter, in my opinion. Because I, okay. no, I hadn't noticed that until just a few minutes ago okay. of that, how that was done. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's uh, import, important. Mm -hmm. Second, do we have... A, a job that is actually designated as a rescue coordinator? Uh, we do. Okay. Uh, she resigned uh, the first week of September. That job is currently posted. Okay. And I say that because next to spay and neuter, that I would think, I'm not in this business, but I would think that the next best thing you can get 
is to have somebody who really knows that community, knows it up and down, and when it, and before you are having to put a dog down or a cat down, mm -hmm. that you give it a second chance. And you're calling every rescue, every rescue, every 5013C there is possible, right? Right, and okay. not only that, but that you can evaluate okay. their behavior. Okay, yes. 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 Both. Very important. So that is an important element. And so I don't know what we have to do to get that job filled as quickly as possible. But those, those two things, I think, are absolutely important. I agree with and, you. Okay. Um, so between, uh, lastly, this last year, we, we upped the number of staff by 13. Correct. Correct. My question to you is that, is that enough? Well, the more pets we save, the more staff we need because it's a hands-on job many times. Um, you know, we only have room for so many pets. Mm -hmm. um, but as we look at staffing, you know, I could see areas where we could possibly have more. Um, are there more programs I'd like to develop? Absolutely. Is there more I'd like to do? You bet. But I know how to work within my resources that are offered. And that's what we're doing right now. Okay, so we're so the jury's out on if 13 is enough right now. We we did add that this year, correct? And we may need more. Or, and this is where it becomes, you know, where do we put those? We we right. don't have infinite resources, and do, should we be funding more on the spay and neuter? Because then you don't need as many staff. Correct. Maybe. You have less pets coming in. Right. As you've heard before, you cannot adopt your way into no kill. Right. You need to go into your uh, communities where we know we have, through geomapping, the largest stray dogs, the largest bites, the largest areas of disease. That's what the communities we need to be in, and we need to stay there for a while. What, we, is, it, what is, and I'm sorry, I don't have the number in front of me, how much money was, is, has, is coming in through tag sales that is going into spay and neuter? Do you have a number on that? Well, we get $3 uh, per But I mean the total number. Overall. And I'm sorry, I, I didn't give you Maybe a, this year, probably uh, 300000 And what do you think the demand was double that? Absolutely. Triple that? We have a community cat problem here in Broward County, as all counties do in the south. But is it one of those things, though, that if you front-loaded it, if you front-loaded the, the, the amount of spay and neuter that you're doing, that you can work your way down the, the – in other words, if it's a community, right. Broward County, right. and you, and you front-load that kind of as a, as a strategy, yes. and you say, we're going to try to uh, spay and neuter all the animals that we can. In that are, area. Yeah, and it, is it, yeah. are there other places in the United States that have tried to do something like that? Yes. Where they, where, they, where they front load it so that the problem starts to diminish? Absolutely. Where has that been done and, and how does it work? It's been done in Travis County. It's been done in Ohio. It's been done, it's targeted spaying and neutering, which is what we need to do in our communities to lower the population. It cannot be random and just expected by the community who trap in all areas all over. We have to target an area, work with the trappers there, and you will start to uh, lessen the population there by staying in that area and targeting your hotspots. So is that strategy in our strategy? It is. 
but we're not funding that strategy. Well, the day's not over. Right, there you go. <laughs> um, that's all I have. Okay, I, but that's, thank you. Those are, I appreciate that. That's kind of what I needed to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Dean. Most of my questions were answered, so I'm not going to repeat all of them, but I just have a couple things um, because, I mean, clearly there's a lot of passion on, on, on this issue. Obviously, it fills our email boxes up. Uh, and, and we speak, see people from the community on this because everyone's passionate about their animals. I like to look at more of the objective facts that we have in budgeting that we have to work with. Okay. So after the first meeting, the first budget meeting, I asked Henry to send me some of the you know, updated statistics in response to some of the things that I heard. So one of the comments was, and, and a lot of the comments were on both sides of the same issue, but one comment was that there were no volunteers or there weren't enough volunteers or we need to use more volunteers. And, and the response I got is under current leadership, we've increased from 35 volunteers to 560 volunteers. And, and then since June of 2018, they have a specific number of 23,448 hours of volunteer work at the facility. Right. How is that documented? Through logistics. It's a volunteer software. Everybody logs in. Okay. So just looking at it as an objective person from the outside, opinions can be everywhere. I mean, unless there's some kind of monkey business with the login, this 23,448 hour of volunteers is the number. I mean, that's what we, what we have. And People could say there's not enough or there's too much or whatever it is, but that's an, an objective number, and I, and I see the basis in the rest of the answer as far as these pe are people that are working, you need certain minimum shifts that they can do, right. and you've increased right. the hours of volunteers. Um, I think a lot of it goes with the perception because, so I agree with what was said over here about answering the phones. I think that that's a key area because your, your comment was, you know, if there's someone working with a customer, they may not answer the phones, but I guess that was received in the community because they just, as to some of them, that they're not allowed to answer the phones. Clearly, that's not the policy of the facility. It's just you gave a rational reason for why they wouldn't answer the phones, but I agree here. I think we should do more in the way of resources to make sure those phones are being answered because I think it plays differently. Um, the x-ray machine, um, I'm assuming that based on your comment, there's backup documentation somewhere as far as that there was an outstanding amount owed and it couldn't be put into service. It's, it's, and I've seen this before, people want to donate something, they say they're going to fundraise, they're halfway to fundraising. But when the time comes, the logistics don't all come together. So your position is at some point, if that can get worked out, that machine would, of course you're going to take it if it can be worked out and used in the facility? Well, we have the machine. It's not a matter of uh, when the 501 pays for it. We've just been waiting on the a room to be outfitted for a digital x-ray machine. And who's outfitting that room? Is that something that's coming from our budget or? Yeah, we're working with facilities. And okay. it's, it's just taking time. Okay. The Pompano facility, we're trying, that, that and the answer, that's coming to us in the future for an upgraded yeah. budget request as far as doing something with that facility to reopen that? 
We're going to propose that a 501 take it over after we grade all the applications. Okay. The last thing, and Commissioner Farr touched on it, this fiscal year that we're in right now, we added five full-time and eight part-time. Right. So when you, when you came on to the facility, you increased by the 13 people to come and work. reclassified too, yes. Okay. And that's going to be, that's carrying over into this 2020 budget. Correct. And you're going to get back to us mid-year at some point if there needs to be different adjustments that would be need to be made on that? Yes, certainly. Okay. Um, that's all I have. I'm, everything else has been covered, but I'm supportive of, of the idea of volunteers being passionate about this, wanting to work in whatever they do for animal rescue. I believe in that. I know you've been out and your team has been out. We've done animal adoption events out in the district. I encourage to do more of that. I agree we have to do more on the front end, but we need to do a better job working together with our volunteer community so that we can get buy-in from everybody. Thank you. Commissioner Fisher. Thank you, Mayor. <clears throat> Evening, Lorelei, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, it's a couple things, and I might have missed that. Uh, tell me about these two vans that are they're stated that they're, they sit idle a lot of times. Can um, you tell me they're, about those? Uh, plywood uh, sheds that can be outfitted with AC kind of and equipment that you use. And uh, to right now, the one's being used for a spay-neuter vehicle. Um, and we trailer it over to the main society and we hook it up and we use it for uh, their spay neuter program. So it's not a quote van that you drive around that you're wanting to purchase. No, it's, it's this not. This is a shed actually you're talking about. It is, me. yeah. That's interesting, okay. And, and, I, and I understand the common thread here with, the, with answering the phones and I, I'm in total agreement with that as well. Okay. And I also appreciate all of my colleagues' comments, especially Commissioner Sharif. Uh, I really respected her comments. Um, I'm the new kid on the block, so I had the opportunity, of course, to come visit you. Um, I personally did not see um, the feces or anything like that and the animals that were there. I walked through. We, we did a complete tour. I even went to the rear, although it was a very hot day, uh, and saw the volunteers working with the dogs and so forth under those tents that are available. I understand you're going to be expanding that, that facility to have a more of a permanency uh, availability so the dogs can exercise and so forth right we had to take the uh, the shade down because of the a looming uh, hurricane but they're back up okay and, and as I toured um, I think what was sad to me uh, was not your fault by any means but most of the dogs that were up for adoption were of the pit bull breed and, and it's sad because I think a lot of folks are, are uncomfortable with that type of breed, and therefore those, those animals sit there for long periods of time and, and unfortunately don't get adopted. And, and as you stated, if you have a small dog come in to this shelter, those are easily adopted. It's unfortunate that, uh, that we have, and I think at that point there was about 80% of the dogs that were available for adoption were some sort of a, a pit bull breed. And that was sad to me that, that they, they come into the shelter and they're very hard to come out uh, on the adoption basis. So, and, and I saw that and witnessed that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you have any comments about that or not. But. 
Well, I love the dog. So uh, I basically base my opinion on pets based on their behavior and what can I do. Um, I don't really look at the shape of their head or what size yeah. they are. So, um, you know, every dog has its own behavior type. And if you notice the dogs I bring to presentations here, they're all a mix of something. We don't have breeds on our kennel cards. We don't do DNA testing. And I just want to open it up to people adopting a pet based on their lifestyle and the animal's behavior. Not, and I not, hope that people listen to that and, and are encouraged to come and, and see these wonderful animals that are there. Yeah. Those today were, were beautiful dogs. <laughs> yeah. uh, one had obviously attraction to me. I don't know why, but uh, it, was kind of, it was kind of interesting. Uh, that was Maude. <laughs> a beautiful dog. Um, and you know I committed to you when I did the visit that I want to make sure that we are moving swiftly for the Pompano location. Obviously, that's my smitty. So I want to yeah. make sure that... And I've talked to Ms. Henry about that and staff. So the sooner the better for me. I know the facility went through a hurricane, right. damage issues, and, and now that speaking with Henry, that is all getting worked out. Yep. So I'm so encouraged and can't wait for that 501 to take that over because Us ultimately too. I saw the, yeah. the light in your eyes light up yeah. when, when we said if we have that, yeah. we can get to that, that no-kill opportunity. So and we sustain really, it. And sustain it. So correct. So excited about that. So you have my full support. Thank you. Whatever I can do there. And going back to Commissioner Fur's statement is, you know, if you need something, ask for it. You know, you know, if we're here to help and assist any way we can. Thank so you. please, please don't, you know, feel, you know, that you can't ask a staff and in this commission if we need to assist you in any way, shape, or form. So thank you again. Thank you so much for what you do. Mm -hmm. Vice Mayor Holness. Thank you. Uh, let me thank first thank everyone for coming in this evening. This is uh, a budget hearing, and we've heard uh, from from you. Uh, I want to especially thank Roz, uh, senior citizen, who probably took tops here uh, for making her way here to share her opinion with us. Rozzy, uh, this is a budget process, and 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 what we have to do is balance all the needs that exist within Broward County. Not every need is funded. Unfortunately, we would love to, but we don't have infinite amount of money to spend. So we have to prioritize between one of the boards I sit on is the Children's Service Board, that there's tremendous needs for these children and the parents to get help and assistance from us. Many are... Uh, medically ill or, or disadvantaged in some way that we have to find a balance for. Uh, I also sit on the HIV Planning Council that does a great job. Uh, we, we need to find help and, and support there also. Uh, our budget covers a wide area, housing, transportation, parks, libraries, human services needs uh, that exist so extensively here in Broward County. People uh, might have substance abuse or, or, or might be abused. Uh, that we need to find a way to help. So though people are passionate about their particular area, we have to be responsible enough to find a balance. A county administrator has to be responsible enough to find a balance without overtaxing the population. Uh, Ms. Lorelei Coombs, thank you for your forthrightness, for your calmness, and your openness in your responses to my colleagues. Thank you. I, I, I think I'm probably going to be the last one to quest to have anything to question you, and I won't, because it's already been very extensive. Uh, but let me also say something else that we have to do in addition to finding the funds. 
we have to balance that with the tax rate that we have and the taxpayers who fund this. This week, I received three calls about people's taxes and how much it is. One senior citizen and two working family households concerned that their taxes are so high and it's difficult for them to manage it. One of the unfortunate thing is two of those folks bought their homes recently, one in 2017 and one in 2018, and they were comparing their taxes to their neighbor's taxes. One lady said that the home behind me, much larger, is paying $2,500 less per year than I am. We drive the same street. And, and, and so I, I can explain it to other folks out there. It's because of Saver Homes and the fact that if you bought your home a long time ago, the increases in value that we can tax at goes up at very small increments. And, and it's, it's really an imbalance because if our children now go to buy a house, it's very difficult for them to afford the property taxes on those homes. Uh, how we find a balance at the state level, and I had to explain today actually in my office uh, to Ms. Williams that the county commission doesn't control the homestead exemption and the save our homes uh, to the extent that we would like to. Uh, because that's a state mandate, true constitutional amendment that says we're going to have save our homes so that in equity in terms of taxes that someone on the same street, same house, will pay double, sometimes triple more than someone else is, is, is something we don't do. We basically have to be cognizant of spending the money properly, not wasting it, and making sure the best use of it is done and we get the best return for the taxpayers on those dollars. And I believe that our administration has done a tremendous job allowing us to have probably the best bond rating of any county except for probably two in the whole country. Uh, so we can borrow money at lower rates and we can get more done, uh, which is quite beneficial to, to the people that we represent. Colleagues, in this year's budget, uh, we have an item that was budgeted for, and, and I need uh, to have our county attorney bring that forward, and that is the additional senior homestead exemption for those who are 65 years and older, uh, who are low income, and uh, make less than $30,000 a year, so we don't tax them out of their homes. Uh, it's already budgeted, and unless there are six objectors, and I know everybody agreed to it when we budgeted, uh, I'd like for a county, uh, county attorney and county administration to bring that back to us on our next uh, yes. on our next budget agenda. Yes. All right. Uh, and, and with that, let me let me thank the wonderful staff that we have at the county. No one's perfect, but I know they make every effort to do the best job that they can. Thank you. Right. Just commissioner, just so you know, I, I spoke to right. County Attorney on that. Okay. Um, we're gonna. I guess uh, Commissioner Geller, you want to speak? Thanks. Um, just uh, since we are now, I believe ready to vote on the budget. I just wanted, uh, Norm, if you can pass it out. Just, I, I've been over this, so I will be 30 seconds or less just reminding everyone, um, go, that I'm providing you with the resource that people ask you, you know, to put more money in certain areas. Just remind them that adjusted for population, adjusted for inflation, we are way, way below 
what we were prior to the Great Recession. I use this chart all of the time. Shows our county agencies are 20% less than before the Great Recession. We've held police and fire as harmless as possible, but our county agencies, the one that we fund, are way down. I use this all the time, and Mr. Uh, when, when I meet with people, Mr. Mayor, if you're uh, waiting for a motion, I'll be happy to make one. No. Okay. You done? Yep. Uh, I have to read it first. Is there a motion on resolution number 2019-582 establishing the final millage rate for general county purposes? I need a motion. I read that, and that's why I offered to make the motion. Yes. Second. Okay, I have a motion and second on resolution 2019-582. It was seconded by Commissioner uh, Sharif. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Let the record show that that passes unanimously. I need a motion on resolution 2019-583 adopting the final budget for general county purposes, including the amendments detailed in Schedule B of the resolution. I have a motion from Sh Commissioner Sharif and a second. Commissioner Geller uh, moves. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record flow that, pa that passes unanimously. The public hearing on the general countywide millage rate and budget is now closed. Broward Municipal Services, District Millage and Budget. The public hearing is open on the final millage rate and final budget for the Broward Municipal Services District to provide funds for municipal level services in the unincorporated areas. The final millage rate for this purpose is 2.3353, which represents a 9.27% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 2.1372. The county administrator will give a detailed overview of the millage and budget for the Broward Municipal Services District. The Broward Municipal Services District millage rate remains the same for, uh, for FY20. The growth in the property tax roll reflects the investments the county has made in the Broward Municipal Service District. The average homestead property owner will pay approximately $3 more than the prior year based on the increase in property values capped by Save Our Homes. Um, is there anyone wishing to speak on the Broward Municipal Service District and budget? Uh, seeing uh, uh, no one to speak, uh, is, I need a motion for on resolution number 2019-584 establishing the final mill address. Did you have one card? I think you had one. Um, this was for uh, fire on the next one. I'm, I'm sorry, what's this? Municipal it's, it's both. It's both, okay. Uh, then uh, I had it for the next person. Okay, uh, Tori, uh, where's Tori? There she is. Sorry, I had you on the next one. Okay. Thank you, Commissioners. Tori Fatcho, I'm president of Broward County Firefighters. Our new building is in Lauder Hill, Florida. Uh, thank you to those of you who answered my email or called. Um, I'm not here to say no one didn't, so thanks to the, those of you who did. Um, I'm here to speak on Rescue 14, uh, the issue of having three personnel on that truck. Um, when we get together with our contract cities, as we're currently trying to um, work with the city of Hollandale, who wants to possibly merge in their fire rescue services, we look and always encourage that these cities have three personnel on their rescue vehicles. Um, with that, and in fact in Hollandale, that they believe it is so important to have three person on rescue vehicles that in our opinion, they have very unsafe staffing on their fire apparatus, 
which they reduced to two there in that city in order to keep three on rescue. Um, that's not a recommended way to do or to run to the fire service. Um, that's against what NFPA 1710 stands for. But that's the importance to those commissioners and that staff at that time to having three personnel on the rescue trucks. As we make our bid for Hollandale, we did do an explanation that they would have to reverse that position because we would not take over service there and run three on a fire apparatus, although we were just informed they were awarded a safer grant. And thankfully, whether that city merges in with us or not, they will have three and three staffing into the future with the new safer grant. But with that, I wanted to elaborate on Rescue 14 in the Central Broward District. Um, 34 years ago, I started with Broward EMS, and Rescue 14 had two personnel on it. Um, I did not have a cell phone at that time, nor did most uh, everyone walking around on the streets. I had a pager on my side. And with that, Advanced Life Support Care has expanded to, uh, from pagers to cell phones, the same has happened with paramedics and what we do in the street with advanced life support. Um, we now actually diagnose, do 12 lead EKGs, diagnose myocardial infarctions, and don't even stop at beds in the emergency room. We frequently go directly to the cath lab with the surgeon who is going to insert a stent or a catheter for that person without even stopping in the ER. That's how advanced ALS care is. And with that, and what we do in the field, we do need three person on our rescue vehicles. Uh, on other county contracted vehicles that um, we have, there are two on those rescues, and this was our staff's opinion to start at Rescue 14, which is a very high call volume area, a low income area, and there is a high concurrency uh, rate with calls there. Um, many times in that zone, there's two or three calls going down at once. So when that happens and you look at a map, a lot of people feel, wow, look at all the fire stations around Station 14. They'll just be an engine that comes from Lauder Hill or Lauderdale Lakes. But that whole area is a very high call volume area. And when our crews on the rescue hear an engine coming from Lauderdale Lakes, and they know that they're going to probably be off the scene before that engine can even arrive, they just cancel that engine. And they make do with just two personnel. And that patient care suffers in those scenarios. Also, when we have a critical patient, we have to, in, in fact, steal someone from the engine in order to transport that patient, which makes the engine be out of service until they get back to the zone. So I asked the commission, I'm running out of time, that Don't if you worry. just please reconsider this position um, about Rescue 14. Um, I appreciate, like I said, the responses to the email. And I hope there's some dialogue on what we can do uh, with that station with the um, MSTU or the BMSD into the future. Don't sit down. <laughs> Commissioner Rich. I just, um, I, after I had received your response, I had spoken with our county administrator about this issue about the, um, the, the uh, Medicaid funds. And I don't know whether, maybe uh, Mr. Foster, maybe you can comment on that, but I was not aware of any of this until uh, Tori sent that out, so I wondered if that was something that was, um, you know, available to help fund something like this. I, I personally have had the experience myself, and I have it with my mother on a regular basis in Aventura uh, when they, uh, the, the fire rescue is there every day at her building, and there are three people, you know, there, and they get incredible 
incredibly high standard care. So, you know, I would certainly love to be able to, you know, to do the same uh, in the Broward Municipal District and anywhere else in Broward County. So, so uh, um, Senator, you did give, uh, give me that information and we're currently looking into it. What I can tell you is that it is, if it's, it's not going into the, the county's general fund, uh, or if, if it is, we, we, we have to figure out where it is um, within the, the sheriff's overall budget. Um, I will look into the fire fund to see if maybe it, it's, you know, it's, it's deposited there, but it's not, not a revenue source that we recognize for the general fund. The second, because this is in the municipal uh, service district, um, the funds to support this program comes from the taxes that are generated in, in that area. And this is our problem. This is, a, it, this is an area that we're finally trying to grow a, a tax base there. Um, we're not able to use general fund dollars from the, the broader um, general fund budget for that. We have to use those budget. And as the vice mayor has indicated, people are um, concerned about their, the, the size of their taxes in that area. This is where that program would come from. So I just, um, so I think to be clear, this isn't, um, this was uh, maybe an ask, but there wasn't a budget cut. Meaning it wasn't there and we took it away. No, absolutely. I, I this was okay. a proposed new position okay. this year to put the third on the truck. That so wasn't funded. It, it is definitely something that we now have to take a look at um, because ultimately, um, um, you know, we're, this is one of those downsides of trying to have full incorporation. What you have remaining in the unincorporated area um, are the poorest of the, of the, of the area and, and trying to get to pay for services for that area is very challenging. So um, we'll try and track down where that money is deposited and, and determine if it's something that can help in that regard. But if it's in the fire fund, we're already using it. So I'll try to find, I'll try to get more information on that and then bring that back to the board for, for discussion. And is, is, was this, I, I, the, uh, there was a comma was in the wrong place. So is it $300,000? What, what is the amount? Yes, it was. Well, $300,000 was the amount that uh, we were talking about with staff for the three budgeted positions mm -hmm. in order to add three personnel on. The union was agreeable to using new probationary personnel in that area, which would lower the cost from mm -hmm. what the budget office initially uh, funded. Uh, it's a great area with the call volume for new people to work to get experience, so we thought that was a good idea. Mm -hmm. If I could elaborate on the PMET, PMET yeah. Medicare money. Mm -hmm. um, I was asking staff about revenues, because as we look at our, our contract city budgets, what comes back in and transport revenue, um, as a union looking at that budget anyways, I don't have all the accounting background, but we never see the transport revenue that we receive in the actual budget. And it's my understanding that in the case of the city, and I was told in the case of the county, that that goes back to the city's general fund, and in our case, back to the general fund. Um, this PMET Medicare money that Chief Holness told me about when I asked about revenue sources, um, I don't know, and I think maybe it is a billing of some monies that were coming. Maybe he could come up and elaborate on that. 
But there's also another pilot federal Medicare program that the agency is looking into that is called an ET3 program that is um, fire, they're looking for fire departments to sign up in that program to get patients to the most appropriate place. Not everyone needs to go to a hospital emergency room. Sometimes they need to go back to their private medical doctor. So the fire chief is researching this program that would also be more Medicare and Medicaid funding for us to get people to the right place where they need to go. But um, I think Chief Holness could elaborate on the other Medicare funds, uh, the 218,000 that were appropriated for the county. Okay. Can we ask uh, Chief Holness to come up and just... He's right here. Chief yeah. Holness. Yeah, Chief Holness, Holness is right here. <laughs> oh, that, that, one. that one. That one. That one. All right, Tor. Uh, Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of Commission, Senator, County Administrator, and staff. Uh, for the record, Deputy Chief Gregory Holness from the BSO Fire Rescue. Vaguely, vaguely familiar. So, okay, so it's about PEMT. Um, about three years ago, we were asked to look at this. This was something that was uh, some funding that was coming available from the federal government, and it's uh, basically a federal match share uh, disbursement, uh, and, it, and it's administered through the uh, uh, ACA, uh, the state of Florida. And basically what we do is <clears throat> we look at a lot of different factors. Well, one of them is uh, cost for transports, cost for non-transports. We look at the number of personnel, the size of the station, what was allocated to what, the depreciation of your vehicles, and, and a formula is derived. And we submit all that to, uh, the federal, uh, to ACA, who gets a disbursement from federal government. We're never guaranteed what the disbursement's gonna be. It has been consistent over the last couple of years. In the beginning, it was, just a, it was a, a little less. Uh, we just got notified that uh, the next, and, and we do this in arrears. So this would be for f state fiscal year, um, last year. So the next one coming would be for state fiscal year this year, which will end in the middle of uh, the, the, the next fiscal year. We won't get disbursement until after that. So uh, it's been it remained consistent. Um, President Facho had pointed out about the ET3R. It's, uh, as you know, we have a fire chief that's elevating the level of uh, EMS that, uh, that we currently have out in there in the system. And it's a new program. We're hopefully going to be uh, granted uh, an opportunity by, this, uh, by the state of Florida to participate in this trial program, which is about a five-year uh, funding program through the, uh, through the federal government. And it's taking this to the, new, to the newer level. This is the, we're accustomed to seeing the teledoc on television. Uh, it's something very similar to that. We actually can uh, now enhance our treatment, treat and release on scene. We can transport to alternative uh, centers such as standing ERs to doctor's offices and at the same time get paid for all of these, um, whereas right now we're locked in by state law that we can only transport to a medical facility as designated by the state of Florida, which is IE and a hospital. So there's a lot of new stuff coming down this way. And in addition to that, uh, we're, um, we're embarking on whole blood taking whole blood out to the field as opposed to waiting for a uh, patient to get to the uh, emergency room to get whole blood. Uh, President Facho told you about, you know, we, do, our door where we, the patients need to be is in surgery or in the cath lab. We're moving them faster. With three people, 
um, it's much easier to accomplish the time to task, to move patients off a of scene, move them into the hospital, get them to where they need to be in the appropriate level of care and time. Thank you. Thank you. Are you finished, Commissioner Fisher? Oh, thank you, Mary. Yes, stay, stay put. Um, and Tori as well. You know, I was blessed when I was the mayor of Pompano Beach that one of my goals was to be able to have three-person rescues. And we started with one station. We ended up throughout the city. And it, it, it increased so much safety and so much for the residents of Pompano. And so I am a huge proponent of three-person rescues. And uh, I think our job as elected officials, our number one priority is public safety. Uh, and, I, and I firmly believe in that. And as you look at, at the 14th zone, you have, as has been stated by the administrator and by vice mayor, is one of our poorest areas and has the most call volume. So it only makes sense to begin there. And wherever the dollars come from, we need to fund it. And if it's a $300,000 price tag to it, because you can't put value on a life and, and those folks are, are most needed. And so to me, we need to figure out a way. And so since I've received your email and your, your uh, comments, I begin to work with Mr. Foster and to work with staff. And they've assured me that they are going to fully investigate this matter to see if and how we can do this. And so they know my thoughts on, as, as Commissioner for District 4, to make this work if all possible. So I want you to know I'm committed to it and I think this commission should be committed to it as we begin there and then we expand elsewhere. So, so thank you for bringing it to our attention and hopefully we can, we can make this happen very quickly. Thank you. Vice Mayor Holmes. Well, well, thank you also for bringing it forward and it was a late one evening that I returned your call. Yes, it was. Uh, after a long day, I'm sure for you as well as it was for me uh, thank you, Chief Holness, for your presentation. And uh, as stated, there'll be uh, a search to see whether we can find these dollars. Uh, bringing it forward now is good. Uh, I don't know that we'll be able to do it this budget year, county administrator, but as uh, we look forward to the upcoming year, and if we can do it this year, we'll do what we can to get it done this year. Uh, but the conversation is started, and, and we can move forward to see how we can get this done. And as the county administrator stated, the unincorporated area has very stringent budgets, very, very tight. Uh, in fact, the call I was on today was from one of our residents on Ninth Place, uh, just by Troy's. And I know we were out there oftentimes, especially with those cars, doing all those crazy stuff on the weekends. Uh, <clears throat> so we're working, however, to increase the tax base within that community. And we've done a pretty credible jobs with building quite a number of new homes in there. We're moving forward now to enhance the commercial uh, developments with uh, some money that's been put in place uh, for the CRA that uh, is in that area that ne never really had any funding. So there, there's a bunch of things that we're doing to grow the tax base so we can afford to give these residents the service that they really deserve without getting to where their tax bill becomes so high that they can't afford to live there anymore. So uh, the, the, the money that you talked about, Chief, Chief Holdings, would come in handy. Uh, hope, I'm, I'm praying that it's not already allocated and we can 
tap into that and move it over to, to that area. Thanks. And Commissioner Sharif. So let me just say that I'm here for the defense of humans. And I just supported millions of dollars for animals. So we're going to find this $300,000 here because um, we got humans out there that need assistance. So whichever way we have to do that, we have to do it. I appreciate the letters. I appreciate the lobbying, but I am here for the defense of humans. And so we are going to find this money somehow. We have to go out there and help raise I thought some you money. Didn't like humans. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> but um, I'm just kidding. You're my favorite Geller. Um, but yes, well, I'm committed to getting this money. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that we can't just roll it into the budget because this is a shame that we just had, you know, an hour and a half discussion about animals and, and allocations of millions of dollars. And this is $300,000 for one of the most um, neediest communities that we have in Broward County. And as I stated previously, I am a regional commissioner, not just for the South County, but for all interest in Broward County. And we're going to find this money well, we will be on the side of the street with the boot helping you to raise it annually. Thank you. Well, Commissioner Sharif, I mean, does the county administrator have a, um, you know, a, a, a set amount of funds for emergency uh, for commissioners and so, so on? So um, um, I would like to get back with you to kind of walk you through um, the issues. I'm sure the county attorney's office um, will work with me to kind of lay this out for you, but um, it's in the municipal services district, and we, we, we really do have to use the funding and the taxes that are generated from that area to support general fund services. Is that a no? It's a we'll look around. It's like we'll, we'll see I'm, later. I'm tr no, we're... <laughs> So the, again, I, okay, I, we'll I look around. we we'll received look, the communication and the we're trying to find out where, where this additional funding <laughs> has been posted. Cause okay. I don't know, we, oh, wait, we'll have wait. to do that. Can, can we allocate money from our budget? No, not the general fund, my budget. What I have left over. I, I, don't, I would, I'd have to have no. some conversation Stop with it. the attorney's office. Lawyer. You could, you, could, you could do a donation, you're a very wealthy lady. You could just do a donation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to your hair one day. Sure, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm supportive of this idea, too, and I understand the law would prohibit anything touching the general fund, I think, going into this, but transport dollars that come back from the municipal district that's not tax dollars, but aren't there dollars that come back through emergency services? Is that... Is that amount cut out of the municipal district? Are those dollars the same? I guess the county attorney probably. See, that's what we're trying to we're trying to sort out right now. Um, um, if the if there are transport fees collected, and and, and I'm sure there are, right. um, and other grants that uh, are contributed to that that goes into a revenue source within the sheriff's office. I Today, I, I, we'd have to do okay. some research to tell you where that is. If it is in the fire fund, 
it's already being captured to, de to deal with the budget. If it's not, then I'll be back to have that conversation. Commissioner Dean, we're going to put that in the parking garage. Yeah, I, I just think it's, it, it's important because I think the public that watches this to the extent they do, they don't realize and they just think that this is a $300,000 transfer, which would be very easy for us to do. We just can't do it by law, depending on which bucket we take it out of. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we've had our one speaker for public speaker. We brought it back to the dais um, with nobody else here to speak. Um, I need first, uh, before you tell me you, you want to move it, uh, I, I need a motion on resolution 2019-584 establishing the final millage rate for the Broward Municipal Service District. D is there a motion? Can I have a second? I'm sorry, moved by which commissioner? Moved by Commissioner Fisher, seconded by Vice Mayor Holness. Moved, um, moves resolution number 2019-584. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that passed unanimously. I also need a motion on resolution number 2019-585, adopting the final budget for the Broward Municipal Services District. Uh, I, Commissioner uh, Geller moved it. Do I have a second? Commissioner Udeen seconded it. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that that passed unanimously. The public hearing on the Broward Municipal Services District millage rate and budget is now closed. Fire Rescue Municipal Services District millage rate and budget. The public hearing is open on the final millage rate for final millage rate and final budget for the Fire Rescue Municipal Services District to provide funds for fire rescue services in the unincorporated areas. The final millage rate for this purpose is 2.6191, which represents a 9.27% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 2.3970. The county administrator will give an overview of the Fire Rescue Municipal Services District tax rate. Briefly, Mayor, the Fire Rescue Municipal Services District millage rate remains the same for FY20. The average homestead property owner will pay approximately $3 more than the prior year based on the increase in property values which are capped by Save Our Homes. Okay, um, seeing nobody here, from, from anybody from the public that wishes to speak on this? Seeing nobody, bring it back to the dais. Chair, I move that, uh, okay. I, I, okay, Commissioner Geller moves resolution 2019-586, establishing the final millage rate for the Fire Rescue Municipal Service District. Commissioner Udine seconds the uh, motion. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the, let the record reflect that that passed unanimously. Okay. Um, <laughs> Commissioner Geller moves resolution 219-587 adopting the final budget for the Fire Rescue Municipal Service District and um, Commissioner Sharif seconded. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the rec record reflect that that passes unanimously. The public hearing on the Fire Rescue Municipal Services District millage rate and budget is now closed. Next, street lighting district millage and budget. The public hearing is open on the final millage rate and final budget for the street lighting district to provide funds for street lights in portions of the unincorporated area. The final millage rate for, the per for this purpose is 0 0.3743, which represents an 11.28% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0 0.3364. The county administrator will give an extensive overview of the street lighting district tax rate. 
The street lighting district millage rate remains the same for FY20. The average homestead property owner will pay approximately the same amount as the prior year due to property values capped by Save Our Homes. Thank you for that extensive uh, analysis. Um, anybody that, that would like to speak from the public? Uh, is there anybody that would like to speak from the public on this? Seeing nobody, I bring it back to the dais. Pardon me? <laughs> she likes those orange lights. Senator Rich um, uh, moves resolution number 2019-588, establishing the final millage rate for the street lighting district. Um, do I have a second? second. Vice Mayor Holden has second the resolution. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that that passes unanimously. I need another, uh, I need a motion. Uh, <laughs> Commissioner Geller moves resolution 2019-589. Adopting the final budget for the street lighting district budget. Commissioner Sharif seconds that resolution. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that that passes unanimously. The, the public hearing on the street lighting district millage rate and budget is now closed. Water control district number two millage and budget. The public hearing is open on the final millage rate and final budget for the water control district number two. The final millage rate for this purpose is 0.1231, which represents a 6.58% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.1155. Um, is there anybody wishing to speak on the water control district number two? Seeing nobody, um, uh, seeing nobody from the public wanting to speak, bringing it back to the dais, um, I, is there somebody who would like to move? Commissioner Ryan. Commissioner Ryan? Commissioner Ryan moves resolution number 2019-590, establishing the final millage rate for water control district number two. We'll second by Commissioner Furr. Um, Commissioner Furr seconds the, uh, the resolution. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing unanimously. Uh, I, need a, I need a motion. <laughs> Commissioner Geller moves resolution number 2019-591, adopting the final budget for the water control district number two. Seconded by Commissioner Sharif. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing unanimously. The public hearing on the Water Control District Number Two Millage Rate and Budget is now closed. Water Control District Number Three Millage and Budget. The public hearing is open, and the final millage rate for the final budget for Water Control District Number Three. The final millage rate for this purpose is 0.1624, which represents a 6.70% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.15. Two, two. Commissioner Fisher, how am I, do, how am I doing on that uh, speed talk? Okay. Anybody wishing from the public to speak on this? Seeing nobody from the public, bringing it back to the dais. Commissioner Fisher, I think, um, uh, moves resolution number 2019-592, establishing the final millage rate for water control district number three. Second, do I have a second? Senator Rich seconded. Senator Rich, did you second that? Thank you, Senator Rich. Senator Rich seconded that. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? No. But, <laughs> Let the like, record reflect that passes unanimously. Thank you. Uh, okay, Commissioner Udine moves resolution 2019-593, adopting the final budget for the Water Control District Number Three. Uh, gentlemen, please, I'm, I'm in a very serious conversation here. Um, do I have a second on this? Second. Vice Mayor Holness seconds resolution number 2019-593. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Seeing, passing unanimously. The public hearing on the Water Control District number three, military rate and budget is now closed. 
Water Control District Number 4, Military and Budget. The public hearing is open on the final military aid and final budget for Water Control District Number 4 and its sub-districts. The final military aid for Sub-District 4A is 0.0146, which represents 5.80% increase, bless you, in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.0138. The final military aid for Sub-District 4B is 0.0318, which represents a 5.65% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.0. 0301. The final millage rate for subdistrict 4C is 0.1276, which represents a 5.11% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.1214. Is there anybody from the public wishing to speak on this? Seeing nobody, bring it back to the dais. Uh, Commissioner Geller moves resolution number 2019-594 establishing the final millage rates for the water control district number four and its subdistricts. Do I have a second? Second. Uh, <laughs> Commissioner Furr, seconds, seconds resolution number 2019-594. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show passing unanimously. Is there a motion on resolution 2915-595? Commissioner Sharif moves resolution number 2019-595, adopting the final budget for the Water Control District number four and its sub-district, seconded by Vice Mayor Holness. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show it passing unanimously. The public hearing on the Water Control District number four millage rates and budget is now closed. Cookamar Water District millage and budget. The public hearing is open on the final millage rate and the final budget for the unit area number one of the Cocomar Water Di Control District. The final millage rate for this purpose is 0.1446, which represents a 4.63% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.1382. Anyone from the public that wishes to speak? Seeing nobody, bringing back to the dais. Um, Senator Rich, did you move the uh, number? Senator Rich moves resolution number 2019-596, establishing the final millage rate for unit area number one of the Kokomar Water Control District. Is there a second? Commissioner yep. Fisher seconded it. Com Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Oh, you second? Thank you, Commissioner Fisher. All, all in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that. Passes unanimously. I need a motion for resolution 2019-597. Commissioner Geller, very helpful today. Re moving resolution number 2019-597, adopting the final budget for the Kokomar Water District Control District, seconded by Commissioner Udine. Sorry, he beat you ready to it. Commissioner Udine, all in favor? Aye. Any opposed? The public hearing on the Kokomar Water Control District millage rate and budget is now closed. Retail water and sewer rates. The public hearing is open on the water and sewer rates for the county's water and wastewater utility retail customers. The county administrator will give a detailed analysis and overview of those rates. Broward County provides retail water and sewer services to approximately 58,000 customers throughout the county's water and, and wastewater service area. The new rates are necessary to fund operating costs, debt service, and capital projects. An average residential customer using 5,000 gallons per month will experience an overall increase of $2.05 or 3.04% in their monthly water and wastewater bill. Thank you, County Administrator, for that detailed analysis. Um, is anybody from the public wishing to speak on that? I see them lining up. Nope, not anymore. Bringing back to the dais. <laughs> is there anybody wishing to move resolution number 2019-598? Second. C Commissioner Sharif, unbelievable, moves resolution number 2019-598. Uh, is there a second? Second. 
Vice Mayor Holness seconds. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing unanimously. The public hearing on the retail water and sewer rates is now closed. Large user uh, wholesale in parentheses wastewater rates. The public hearing is open on the large user wastewater rates for the county's water and wastewater utility wholesale customers. The county administrator, again, will give an, an exhaustive analysis and overview of the change in rates. Broward County owns and operates the North Regional Wastewater Transmission, Treatment, and Disposal System, which includes 11 large user utilities. The county's agreements with these large users require that the rates be revised annually based on projected um, and actual costs. The FY20 proposed rates represent an increase of 10 cents per 1,000 gallons in charges to the large user utilities. Thank you, County Administrator. Uh, is there anybody from the public that wishes to speak on the wastewater large user rates? Seeing nobody bringing back to the dais, Commissioner, uh, Commissioner Furr, you're willing to uh, move resolution number 2019 uh, Commissioner Geller, sure. you're willing to second that? Okay, I have a motion to second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Let's show that passing unanimously. The public hearing on large user wastewater rates is now closed. Um, large user, in parentheses, wholesale raw water rates. The public hearing is open on the large user raw water rates for the county's wholesale raw water customers. The county administrator will give an overview of the change in rates. The raw water large users are municipal utilities that purchase raw water from the county. The proposed FY20 rate represents a 1.6 cent increase per 1,000 gallons to the municipal utilities that purchase raw water. Asking anybody from the public uh, wishing to speak. Um, I see Larry uh, doesn't wish to speak. Okay, bringing it back to the uh, the dais. Anybody wishing to speak? Okay, I need a motion. I need a great uh, committee. <laughs> Commissioner Sharif moves resolution 2019-600, seconded by Vice Mayor Holness. Too late. Uh, all in favor? Aye. <laughs> all in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing. Show that passing unanimously. The public hearing on large user wastewater rates is now closed. Transit program of projects. The county's capital budget and five-year capital program includes the transit program of projects, which is funded with section. 5307 federal grant funds. The public hearing is open on the transit program of project. Is there anybody in the public that wishes to speak? Seeing nobody, bringing it back to the dais. Um, there are no speakers or comments from the commission. The public hearing is now closed. Okay, um, we're now going to 2020-2024 uh, capital program adoption. The Board of County Commissioners adopts a five-year capital program annually in accordance with Chapter 20 of the Broward County Administrative Code. The five-year capital program includes all capital projects and, and the revenues required to support the projects proposed for fiscal years 2020 through 2024. I need a motion on resolution 2019-601. Second. I have a Commissioner Sharif moves uh, resolution 2019-601. Commissioner Geller seconds. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing unanimously. Solid waste landfill rates. The public hearing is open. Hold on. Okay. The public hearing is open on the solid waste landfill rates for the county's landfill customers. The county administrator will give an overview of the change in rates. 
The proposed FY20 um, rate increases for landfill customers that dispose of their construction and demolition, demolition material and bulk trash at the county landfill. The rate will increase from $40 per ton to $50 per ton disposed at the landfill beginning January 1, 2020. Still one of the lowest public disposal options in the county. Asking, seeing if there's anyone uh, from the public that wishes to speak on the solid waste landfill rates. Seeing nobody, I now bring it back to the dais. Uh, anybody wish to move the uh, resolution number 2019-602? Commissioner Ryan? We have some public comments. Do we have some comments that we need to take? Uh, who's moving it? Commissioner Furr, did you move? Commissioner Furr moves resolution 2019-602, seconded by Commissioner Sharif. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show that passing unanimously. The public hearing on solid waste landfill rates is now closed. We now will move to the two, no. Thank you for attending the Broward County Board of County Commissioners final public hearing on the fiscal year 2020 budget. It has been a pleasure uh, for your viewing pleasure. Thank you. Do I need to adjourn this meeting? This, me this meeting is adjourned.